0: So I feel like we did a pretty poor job of introducing ourselves last time. I actually don't think that we introduced ourselves at all. I think you played black and yellow and that was it. And so I guess I'm gonna start right now. So people, if you're listening to this, um, I'm Ty, I thought I'd Listen for a Change. Um, this is just an, it's an outlet that Aisha and I started to be able to talk directly to people, to find more nuanced ways of how storytelling intersects our lives, um, and also just to, to have a direct like voice to people out there. Uh, because a lot of what we produce and a lot of what we put out there are the stories and voices of other people as we should. Um, but this organization means a lot to us and. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that I have you as someone that I get to sit across and have these conversations with. So without further ado, why don't you just give a little little intro about yourself?
1: Hey, yeah, I'm Aisha, um, writer, educator, creative activist, lover of all things in life, which is the meaning of my name, which is life. So yeah, and to echo what Taj is saying, you know, Definitely, you know, I fall in line with the mission, the values, the heart of Listen for a Change, and I just value the time that me and Ty have together to just talk about all things related to stories, art, culture, music, politics, life, love, healing, moving. So we just wanted to take these conversations and offer them to you, you know, the listeners right now, and encourage you guys to join our conversation or maybe have other conversations with those close to you because you know being able to bring voice to things that you're feeling with those close to you really makes you not feel alone so i appreciate you ty and i appreciate the opportunity we have just to you know come together
0: agreed and this is actually the most formal i feel like we've ever (laughs) been on a recording because you know so this this came out because Aisha, you and I, which is, okay, so Aisha, Ty, it's called Taisha, if you don't understand the pun, but you and I have, we've been meeting and casually discussing just all of these things that you mentioned, right? Like all these things about life and politics and love and creativity and art and since the beginning of time, since we've known each other and tell us, I mean, how did this all start? How did we get the idea for the podcast?
1: Um, cause okay, I remember now I'm thinking back to pre-COVID prior to like, you know, when we got to like see each other, right? Had, like a bar or a restaurant, like in downtown San Francisco that typically Ty would pick because we're both from the Bay area, but I'm like, you know, I, I got roots between Oakland and Pittsburgh. He has roots out like South Bay near like, San Jose, you playing Sunnydale? San Jose, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got South Bay, East Bay, but anyway, Ty knew all the good spots in San Francisco. So <laughs> we would always meet up at least like once a month yeah and we would just you know have these talks about our creative entrepreneur projects like we'll listen for a change um me with my podcast and my film and theater background we'd offer encouragement vent our frustrations talk about our love lives things that were going on and it would just go all over the place even like our love for luther bandros which i think is a beautiful thing which i really think solidifies <laughs> the fact that we're family like yeah. I could, I, you got to come to the next like family function, Ty. Like the next time my family's having hey, a-
0: invite time, me. I'm already. there. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: there. Like not to be stereotypical, but people don't pass up my egg rolls. That's all I'm saying. And
1: hey, gotta- I will show
0: up with a whole tray. That's like the Vietnamese way is you show up to a party with food and specifically egg rolls are like the party favorite. Vietnamese egg rolls are different, by the way. Like people are eating that Chinese egg roll. Oh yeah, no, Chinese actually have good egg rolls. But like the kind that you get when you get Chinese takeout, you know what I'm talking about? What's inside usually?
1: It's, like it's the, cabbage. Yeah, and then they have like the sweet and sour sauce. And That's pickle. it.
0: There's like usually no meat. Like it's just straight up mm-hmm. deep fried cabbage within. But the Vietnamese type, there's there's ground pork, there's ground shrimp. The one that my mom makes has taro, like shredded taro in it. Um, carrots. Mm-hmm uh cabbage and you like crack an egg to like bind it all together oh my gosh
1: oh my god I I, I need I'm I feeling need it right feel now <laughs> you bring the egg rolls I'll bring the mac and cheese
0: not Ooh. the stone top
1: craft mac and cheese I'm talking about the mac and cheese your grandmother from Mississippi taught you how to make the mac and cheese you know with the slightly brown <laughs> burnt edges because you want that corner piece could that corner be hidden just like that yes you, make you do, do like
0: breadcrumb topping or no topping?
1: I don't do any type of topping. I keep it real direct and simple because the secret is in the sauce. Mm. Get that sauce right. So then when you cut into the actual pan, it's nice and juicy, but still kept together. You don't need all that extra stuff that people be doing nowadays adding broccoli and blueberries and all that nasty
0: berries? Did
1: <laughs> you see that? Like,
0: no. No, that's disgusting. I know. No.
1: It was it was disrespectful. The same you know, oh my God. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Have the you been to this um, oh. the restaurant Oak uh home in Oakland?
1: Um, uh, homeroom.
0: homeroom. thank you. Yes, yes. And yes. they like speci- they specialize in mac and cheese, right? Yes, what do you, what are your thoughts?
1: Um It's cool, like it's different and trendy, I guess, but I'm still all about just that good old school home mac and cheese and that's interesting. I'm like, can you appropriate food? You can, you can I think, cause ooh, that made me think about my-
0: Actually, I really have to think about that.
1: My uh, professor from San Diego State, um, he's in the African-American studies department, Uh, Professor Adisa was Mm. going in about this, oh, I wish I knew the name, but it was a Jamaican owned restaurant, but it wasn't owned by Jamaicans. So I said that wrong. It was a Jamaican <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> I just heard what you just owned, said. Right? Jamaican it was owned, owned,
0: but not actually owned. Not
1: Jamaican. Me. So it's Jamaican food, but it's owned by white people. Okay. And they're like whole mission statement was, oh, we went to the island and we fell in love with the flavors and we wanted to bring it back. And he was all like, I am not trusting anything that's not coming from the direct source. That so
0: yeah. was interesting. Well, okay. So the reason why I hesitated is there's there's a couple like avenues here. I mean, I so first off, there's there's fusion food, like food that people have taken and they have um, combined the the quote unquote authentic flavors with new flavors or the flavors that their community or whatever is used to. So if you think about like Americanized Chinese food, that's fusion, right? It started out. I mean, they don't, they're, they're not eating this stuff in China. Like, um, I, there's an episode of, you know, Padma, the host of Top Chef. She has this Hulu series right now called, I think, Taste the Nation or something like that. Oh. And she goes around trying to find, uh, like, the origins of a lot of ethnic foods in the U.S. But anyway, so my the reason why I hesitated is because fusion food, I think, is in a sense appropriation, but in a sense, not like it's, it's adapting flavors to a palette that is different than that of the original and, you know, like origin of it. But then what you just said right now, I think that is appropriation and that I I don't know a hundred percent where I lie on that. I just, I guess I haven't really thought about it that deeply, but there was a story of like, two, I'm just gonna say two white girls, that probably was two white girls, but I'm just gonna say two white girls cause it's like a good visual. And they go to, they went to Mexico and they, um, they like learned from an abuela there how to make tacos a certain way or something like that. And they took that recipe back to the States and then they opened up their own taco place. I might be like, you know, uh, getting the story wrong but what do you think of that? That's kind of like your Jamaican story.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I just looked up appropriate just to get like a formal definition and appropriate is um, defined as to take something for one's own use, typically without the owner's permission. Mm. So if this was like a specific recipe to this specific woman that was within Mm -hmm. the family, um, it would have been, I think, more appropriate appropriate appropriation to you know pay homage to that woman um have her be a part of like I don't I don't know the full story but it would make me at least feel more comfortable if I knew the woman the abuela who was the originator was getting credit for the recipes her name was being used and also she was getting a cut on the profits now yeah. they didn't take this and don't even acknowledge her and make it their own then yeah that becomes a problem in my opinion um but that whole like typically without the owner's permission, makes me think about, well, who's owning the culture, the recipe, the food within itself. So just to break it down more specifically to the abuela, right. there's a lot of, there's like a standard way you can do traditional sh- street style mexicano tacos, but mm-hmm. there are there are certain recipes within families. There are, because I'm thinking about my auntie, Benita, and how she put my family on to the enchiladas. And Ooh. she passed that my mom and to me but yeah. that's she she's family she married my uncle but she's my auntie you know what i mean so i don't know i, I think it's all but that's about- different
0: that's like that's that's a like a family heirloom practically yeah. like a recipe that is passed down and yeah. it wasn't stolen it was given
1: yes
0: um but then like, i mean it gets messy because right. like our our you know, I'm, I'm just going to pick on white people because they're easy to pick on. But, like, are white people never allowed to cook non-white people? Like, Are they never allowed to open a restaurant that is not burgers and fish and chips and fries? Like, you know, could they open a, a bougie pho restaurant? Like, is that I that Because they had to get that recipe from somewhere. Like, even sure. if it was allrecipes.com, it wasn't their recipe at some point.
1: I mean, that's so why where's I, the line? That's why I don't like food like Chipotle or Chevy's. Because that's not real. That's like, well, that's like Tex Mex or whatever whatever they call it, but it's not authentic. Yeah. So they, they could technically do that, but it's never going to be, at least generally speaking, the same. And I think if you are, even if like for me, it's like I'm African American, I'm not gonna go out and try to front and come out with some, you know, a sushi restaurant and try to do, you know, edamame and do like Japanese style food. What it, only, I think it's appropriate if you have the originator of like the recipe, the food and its culture in the mix. But oh, I don't Okay, my opinion. Yeah,
0: I, you know, I hear that. And then I'm also like, but why not? Because I have
1: a couple friends who it, are in the I
0: food, know. they're in the food world. Like one's a food blogger and the other one is an actual chef um, in Oakland. And they actually take issue with the word authentic. Like when describing food because authentic implies that it's um, actually i I can't even defend this argument because i don't know it that well but i think it has to do with like kind of exotifying certain flavors and thinking that only a mexican could make mexican food and anything other than that is not real but like what is real because all food is and throughout the course of history has been a blend of flavors a blend of cultures meeting each other pasta was only invented because some dude went to China once upon a time and saw noodles and took it back. And then in the region, they had tomatoes and they had whatever, and then they made pasta sauce. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like Asian I, food is just the evolution of flavors. No.
1: And so I will argue like, I am not a chef and I do not have a, me neither well-rounded <laughs> degree on the history of food and the evolution behind it. But, but it's offered my just opinion from my given perspective. So it's just Mm -hmm. one opinion doesn't make it true, obviously.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I hear the word authentic, I'm thinking that is genuine to the connected source in terms of where it's from and what it's connected to. And you're right, it's not to say because you are not Mexican, you cannot make tacos or enchiladas. No, Mm -hmm. you can definitely do that. By all means, go for it, you could make, Tacos and put some damn I don't know anchovies in it if you want to call it what you want. But for me am it, and my personal and I come to discover, I personally prefer seek and go after yeah sources of food that are connected to the people and the regions that they come from because from my my own experience. You can uh, edit me later, but the shit just <laughs> tastes better. It does. Like there's, I'm sorry, there's a difference between going to Chipotle and then going through my taco truck on freaking San Pablo, La Florida It is a difference. Because <laughs> I'm gonna look
0: this place up.
1: Get mad and say don't call it authentic, and it's like, what? I mean, we gotta name things for what it is. You can't just blend everything together all the time.
0: Yeah, oh, well, and so to be clear, I, I'm also not a chef or a food expert in in the history. This is just something that I've, um, I've seen them post about and talk mm-hmm. about. And so again, I can't even defend the position that well. And <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna end it at that. Maybe but I, I think where, where I'm hearing your affinity towards this type of cuisine is coming from and where I think some people kind of, what they mean by quote, unquote, authentic, is that there's a story behind food yeah there's a culture behind food there's meaning there's generations of like cultivating flavors and like learning what works best and you know certain dishes that have corn in them right might take influence from where corn was actually like grown right it might be from like Peru or wherever it is right and Mm -hmm. so food isn't just you know it's the same reason why if you like Chipotle is so, there's no story behind Chipotle. I mean, there's the story of Chipotle, the founding. And like, I actually don't know if you know the story, but Chipotle is actually based based off of the Mission Burrito. Did you know this?
1: Oh, I didn't know that. So the
0: Mission in San Francisco, uh, I, I don't know if they were the first, but they were like the purveyors of this kind of assembly line burrito assembling, you know, I want this type of meat, this type of bean. And I think the founder of Chipotle traveled to the mission in San Francisco. He's like a you know, from Colorado. What do they call people from Colorado? A Coloradan? Colorado? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: so he traveled to San Francisco and had a burrito and the mission was like, whoa, first off, this is freaking delicious. And secondly, this whole assembly line like system there's something here but now that chipotle is what it is right like it's a franchise and they just make your whatever burritos I mean they're still good don't get me wrong I will take a chipotle burrito over going hungry (laughs) but there's no real there's no story there's no like grandma behind the kitchen making that and I think that there's a connection between food and the people and the history and the generations from which it comes
1: thank you for bringing that up because i think that's what speaks to the goodness and the soul of the food thinking about the movie soul food you oh know? my gosh like, the story. i can't
0: believe you just brought up soul
1: food <laughs> makai pfeiffer
0: came up in my conversation yesterday by the way i don't know how or what. oh you know what i was listening to an eminem song
1: Oh, lose yourself <laughs> right and makai
0: pfeiffer comes up right oh, anyway
1: horrible braided uh dreads <laughs> he had that with horrible god bless that but i love that movie eight mile whatever shout out makai uh <laughs>
0: okay back to soul food food with soul you, know,
1: you bring up a really great point and i agree like when there's that story that generation a tradition it adds to the flavors you're already experiencing and i think what happens for those who appropriate Without giving credit, knowledge, or even taking the time to understand where it's from, it gets watered down, and that's yeah. why it's nasty. And it makes me <laughs> think about it, it makes. Think... <laughs> go <laughs> it's ahead. go not, ahead. It. It's The same way, like I'm, the same way when you heard uh, Taylor Swift redo "Earth, Wind, and Fire's September." It was I have
0: not all, heard this. Oh,
1: my God. It's all types how of have you and bland chicken on that record that she.
0: <laughs> you tell me how you feel and I'm going to look up this song.
1: <laughs> but it's the same. It's like when you don't really take the time to understand the history and where things are coming from, let it be on the food and the music end and you just look at it from this level of ooh, this is cool, let me redo it. You water it down. And it ends up just blah it, and it falls flat. So that's my Do you remember twenty eighth night of September. Love was changing the
0: minds of pretenders. Come on, we're at a wedding We're getting on the dance floor.
1: All right.
0: And that's the end of that.
1: (laughs) Do not just feel a part of your soul die.
0: (laughs) I was like poached chicken. It was boiled chicken compared to like, I don't know. Any other chicken with flavor
1: boiled chicken with a side of mayonnaise
0: but like I don't want to hate on that because that there there are people out there who wouldn't know the song September if it was I mean you know God bless their soul but <laughs> and... <laughs> anyway back to your point sorry
1: <laughs> no your point all of that this is why just no, no one understand the history of anything that you are attempting to recreate that's all I was say I'm not saying you can't do it just know the history, and then also know your lane. Maybe some things aren't just, let music up. <laughs> Food's one thing, but it, oh wait, last thing I'll say about that too, is in, in terms of knowing your lane, cause you brought up like the region of where food is created. Yeah, Like that's why food in New Orleans has a different kind of taste and vibe. Mm. You can't really recreate that crawfish pasta in California the same way you can in New Orleans because there's certain access to seasons and stuff that they have out there that we don't have. Mm. So just know your lane, know your history, and we can talk about appropriation of music later because I got opinions on that for days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, so another thing that you bring up is like, this is another reason why, and I think this speaks to like where we live in the Bay Area that we have access to this type of food, but like for some people in some places, Chipotle is the closest they can get to authentic, quote unquote, authentic Mexican food, right? Um, Even though arguably the burrito is not even a Mexican food item, but like, you know, they don't have access to, I'm thinking like in England, they probably have a Chipotle in London and the Mexican options in London are probably very, very poor. And so I, you know, I just want to acknowledge that like, there's that. And we are lucky to live in an area in the Bay Area where there is um, such a, you know, no pun intended, but like melting pot of flavors. And there's a lot of interesting new cuisine coming out there, because there is this like interaction between flavors that there's you know, good Ethiopian here, great Vietnamese food here. Like you can get Southern food, you can get good Japanese food. Like it's all here. Yeah. But at the end of the day, support your mom and pops. You know, support the people who spend their whole lives kind of perfecting this craft. Yeah. Um, and shout! I'll oh, go ahead. No, that's it.
1: <laughs> yeah, shout out to you know the the grandmas, the grandpas, the abuelitas like, man, I, I don't know if that's like a, is that, is that generation still around, like the real deal, like,
0: yeah.
1: ooh, like the people who used to go yeah. out to the fields and get the corn, like, it's, I mean, it's
0: dwindling, the people who like actually cultivate their own food, and like, yeah, I, I think it's dwindling for sure, and I think, you know, mass farming and all of that is like commercial farming is killing that kind of art of cultivation, but
1: and thank you too for naming, you know, that the location, depending on where you're from, could be looked at as a form of privilege. But either way, it still is an opportunity to recognize that there's origins to everything. Cause I'm even thinking yes. back when I lived in Singapore and how I learned going to Singapore. Wait,
0: you lived in Singapore?
1: Oh yeah, I lived in Singapore. Oh
0: my gosh. Just, you know, casually dropping that without <laughs> missing a beat. Continue. Okay. I
1: remember, shout out to my friends, Andrew and Steve. Andrew, who is Chinese American, Steve, who is Filipino American, they used to call me a raisin in a rice bowl. They said it, <laughs> and we so actually delicious. in college we started. Um, we, we we're gonna pick it up maybe in our fifties, but we started a film production company called Raisin in a Rice Bowl Production. I love there's it. A whole story. About that. I love it. Anyway, I learned in Singapore there's a difference within like the the chow mein noodle because mm. up until out there I thought all. Oh, If you order chow mein, it's always a soft noodle, but it's like, no, typically if you just say chow mein, it can default to being a hard noodle and low main is considered the soft noodle. And I didn't even know that. So even being in the Bay area, you can be around so many different things. And then when you leave the country, it still is something different. So thank you for naming that because we all have room. The learning world. Well, I try to
0: keep that in mind. Like my friend, my friend, Adam, his parents are from New Jersey, like the center of New Jersey, somewhere in like a rural town. I actually don't remember the name of it right now. It's slipping my mind, but um, <laughs> shout out to Jersey and they are, they're Jewish, uh, white Jewish American, I guess is, I don't know. But anyway, they're, um, you know, they, they, they eat typical American foods. Like, you know, your pizza, your pasta is like American, Italian Um, burgers and stuff like that. And they are pretty cautious of other foods. And a lot of that is just like a lack of exposure. They just don't have those options there. And same thing with my dad, actually, why go that far? Like my dad, raised Vietnamese, obviously he's from Vietnam, um, won't even eat Thai food. Vietnam and Thailand are very close together and share a lot of similar flavors. And it just doesn't, doesn't take to his palate. Um, and so I try to keep that in mind too. As frustrating as it can be for a food lover like me, who's like, taste the world, like it's so delicious. But
1: you know, yeah, that's taste the
0: rainbow. Well, okay. So I'm gonna go back to like you talking about bringing your your. So do you actually have a grandma from Mississippi?
1: I do. My oh, Melina Fig, yes. And Sorry. is that
0: who gave you that your mac and cheese recipe?
1: Yes, um, I actually have a good memory too of her. When I came home from college for the first time for Thanksgiving in 2003. Mm. And mac and cheese in my family it's a serious business. Like the mac and cheese is more serious than turkey.
0: Mac and cheese is always a serious business. Yeah.
1: And so coming home after my first semester of college and you know getting some home cooking meal, like got <laughs> that big old pan of mac and cheese, but it goes real quick. But right before I flew back, she made my own personal pan. To oh my take gosh. A whole pan that I sat with, we got to the door. Me and Asia and my friends, we told that up. So Wait, then,
0: you like took it on the plane and didn't eat it until yeah, after.
1: Yeah. And like she even like wrapped it and everything. It was hella good. And so like, But um, she passed in 2013. And since then, um, I've been the one in the family taking on the, you know, reins of making the mac and cheese. And mm-hmm. just a few years ago, because my cousins, they always get on me, they always eat it, but because it's still not grandma's mac and cheese. The last year, my cousin Akeem was like, you did that, you did that, but we still pay yeah. on
0: Well, and so that goes back to the storytelling element of food. Like this is even before we launched in this conversation, we were like, oh, if we're having a family gathering, what are you bringing? What am I bringing? And you said mac and cheese and I said egg rolls. And <laughs> it isn't just like, a, hey, I got nothing else to bring or whatever. It's. We, we picked a dish that had a story behind it. We picked a dish that resonated with our family history. Like the egg roll, for, you know, I, I even hesitated to say that at first because I was like, mm, stereotypical. It's um, okay,
1: oh, it's okay, good. Asian
0: guy bringing the egg rolls like a tray, you know, but no, one, no one's complaining. No one
1: complains. <laughs> I'm not. No I'm, one complains. I'm ready for it.
0: But like the egg roll also has history for me and my family as well. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the last time we made egg rolls, but growing up, we used to make egg rolls quite a bit. And it was a family function. Like you get the whole family together to make egg rolls. It isn't one person making it. It is like, you you gotta have the people like, you know, mixing the filling and then everyone takes turns wrapping it. Like I have distinct memories of, you know, wrapping egg rolls with my grandma, someone I usually was put in front of the fryer because, you know, they usually put like someone who's not scared of burning, scalding, splattering oil in front of the fire, um, in front of the the pan frying but yeah like it, it just means a lot to me and when I yeah. eat a Vietnamese egg roll specifically not a Chinese one not a Thai egg roll not a lumpia a oh. Vietnamese I know lumpias are amazing too that's a whole nother <laughs> story right there but when I eat a Vietnamese egg roll it takes me back
1: yeah. and
0: this makes me think of have you seen the movie Ratatouille yes yes I love Ratatouille that's one that of
1: like, is, that's, that's up there. there. Is that considered Pixar?
0: It is. It's a Disney yeah. Pixar. I think it might have been before Disney, maybe, but it's definitely a Pixar film.
1: Yeah, I love Ratatouille. And do you
0: uh-huh. remember the end? And so there's like this chef, right? Or not the chef, sorry, the food critic.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: he, everyone's scared of him. And he like, you know, one negative review from him will like destroy your restaurant. And they're all like stressed out trying to cook the perfect meal for this one food critic to come and eat and he walks in and everyone's intimidated by him and it's i don't want to am i going to ruin them you know if you oh, haven't seen ratatouille at so this scary. point whatever get disney get plus watch right it
1: now and go watch it then come back but go ahead. seriously it's like
0: i'm you know ruining We're snow Lord. white right like guess what snow white dies and then
1: <laughs> so does she's she? awesome. wait no snow white doesn't but <laughs> but really, I so she gets resurrected by a kid. Oh,
0: that's right. She ate the apple. Anyway, we're not ruining anything here. Anyway, Ratatouille, the, the rat learns how to cook. Um, and he cooks a dish called Ratatouille. And this takes place in France. And so I don't know if you remember, I, I really want to rewatch this movie tonight now that I'm talking about it. But like the food critic takes a bite of this dish, Ratatouille. And there's a <laughs> flashback. And yeah. he immediately is like a five-year-old kid sitting in his mom's kitchen and his mom has just served him up a plate. And food does that. It brings out stories, it brings out emotions, it brings up memories and it carries that forward. When you make your grandma from Mississippi's mac and cheese, it is not Aisha's mac and cheese. You did not come up with this recipe. You did not look it up on Bon Appetit or wherever there's history behind this dish and it will always mean something different and more to you, even if it tastes as good as another dish that you just learned to make like last week, right. To someone who doesn't know, but it's a story behind it.
1: Like it's the
0: story behind it.
1: Thank you for like really pushing and like, not pushing, but just like <laughs> aiming I love food. Behind that. no, like, cause sometimes we get so used to just making it or just doing things and we forget the importance of where it came from and the story behind it. And I would hope for people who are even like listening to us right now, like for them to think about what is that one story? What is that one dish that takes you back? It it, it doesn't even take you back. Sometimes you could have memories, like I'm thinking of recent memories of me and an ex and um, (laughs) he loved my uh, enchiladas and and, um, he was like, okay, can I cook them with you? And so we actually cooked the enchiladas together and that was a lot of fun. And then going forward though, every other time I made it, he would be like, you just do it. because you be like, you just do it so great. But even like those new memories you create with yeah. people with the food that they love that you make or, you know, so yeah. So that. let me ask you
0: a question then, because now, you know, we're, we're so closely tying food to memories and food to stories. Let me see if you can answer these questions for me. What food or restaurant do you think of when you think of first love?
1: Oh, First Love, which would still be the same person that I'm talking about. Um,
0: I got a few of these, oh. so get ready.
1: Okay. Um, so this isn't like per se, like a traditional restaurant, but it still is a place where you go get food. 7-Eleven. Toy boat in the city.
0: Oh yeah, it's like like a cafe, dessert, coffee shop. So
1: I don't have a sweet tooth. I am not a sweet tooth person. Like I'm all about the salt. I'm all about the French fries. Um, But me and this particular person, um, he has the biggest sweet tooth like ever. And um, he would take me there all the time. Like it it, it was like, we could be like chilling at the beach. We could Mm -hmm. spend a day like playing, like, you know biking or doing pool we always would end up at the freaking toy boat. And I would just always get just a regular old vanilla ice cream. That's all I ever got. They have like a plethora of all types of sweets and everything. Um, But- You got
0: the plainest thing you could find in there.
1: I did, because it (laughs) it brought me joy as a vanilla. That's all I need. Um, But for this person, it brought them so much joy. And it was also a place they went to as a child with Mm. their mom. And so I could tell, like, he would get excited, like, hey, we're going to go here. And he always trying to encourage me to get something different. And I'd be like, I'm good with just this. And I said, I get enough joy just seeing you get joy out of this. So that place and also just how, like, childlike and innocent it was and all the joy we had just going there, literally, like, late nights, like, it'd be 11 o'clock, let's just go get some ice cream. And yeah, a lot of good memories. So that's like a first love restaurant place.
0: Do you know mine? What? Do you know mine?
1: No, I don't. What,
0: what? restaurant?
1: Should I know? Is it based on? I know you might know.
0: It was it was in <laughs> Berkeley. It's in downtown Berkeley.
1: What kind Jupiter. of Jupiter? Oh, I'm gonna.
0: <laughs> were you gonna say that?
1: Because <laughs> I've been there with you. I think in this person, but we're not going to say. We both know what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. So it's it's just interesting that like. You know, something like as vivid as first love, right? Like comes with a food association. Like, what do you think of when you think of mom? What, either food dish or restaurant?
1: Oh, gosh. When I think of my mom, I just think of all things that are good and bright and (laughs) light. My mom. Is there like
0: a dish that, you know, reminds you of her? Or
1: two dishes come to mind. Um, her gumbo for sure, Ooh. and recently her and my brother, two Christmases ago,
0: Christmases?
1: Christmas? Christmas. They came <laughs> together and created the best gumbo I'd had ever had in my life, oh, but wow! gumbo is so good. Like, just so, just, it's, I, your, your whole mouth is having a party every time you take a bite into wow. the sausage, the crab the juices, everything. And I remember mm. as a kid, me and my brother, and it's funny because her and Malachi now were like, my brother's a really good cook. He cooks better, better than me. I, I I bow down to him all the time because especially that gumbo they made, they did that. But when we were like eight years old and we had to go Christmas shopping. And so my dad would give us $20 each and he'd be like, all right, go buy something for your mom. Right, oh. and, so, and he would like take us like to Target or something like that. Right, <laughs> I know, like it's so like not nah, hey, Twenty dollars right?
0: gets you a long way in Target.
1: Yeah, especially as a kid. And one Christmas, and my mom laughs about this to this day. We bought her these really nice bowls, and we we're like, "Ooh, let's get these bowls because she could put gumbo in them."
0: Ooh. <laughs> You're like I'm going to get this gift for you. So yeah, you so like when she opened me.
1: it up, she was all like, "Oh, some bowls." We're like, "Yes, yeah, so you can make gumbo."
0: And <laughs> I get to work, mom.
1: <laughs> and so she she thought it was sweet. She and that, that's why I love my mom cuz like I can call my, my mom right now and I could be like, "Oh, mom, I'm craving your um Alfredo pasta, uh shrimp dish or, "Oh, mom, I'm craving um some lasagna." She'd be like, "Okay, when do you want it?" Oh. She, 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 she's that giving like she'll do that and so I've been trying my best to like do that for her more and more hey
0: and make sure you write down those recipes too because you know that you got to keep that um what I think of from with my mom it has to be noodle soups and you've heard my story that I told at a night in bold um or listen for a change gala and I centered the, the first year I told the story it was around sitting down at a restaurant with my mom and ordering a bowl of Vietnamese noodle soup. It wasn't pho. It was a different type, but every time we go eat out, it's just, it's a thing. Like I think she loves it as much as I do. And I will say that's one thing that I miss since the pandemic started is you can't really get a good bowl of pho because that's something you eat then and there. Yeah, you don't take it to go. You don't bring it home and like reassemble it, and it's just not the same experience. Like there's something about a piping hot bowl of pho being placed in front of you, or like any noodle soup, and just going at it in the moment. Like especially when it's cold outside, like it is now. Oh
1: my goodness! It's perfect pho weather right now, and you're right. Something you can't take to go. You got to enjoy that moment. And even as you're talking about that experience with your mom, it's like you two together in that present moment, enjoying together.
0: Yeah.
1: Gosh. Why are you asking such thoughtful reflection, reflective questions?
0: Well, I mean, we got the holidays coming up and I, you know, I kind of want it, it makes me think and I kind of hope it makes everyone else out there, especially like in these times right now when we can't really physically be together with as many people and as many loved ones as we would want. The importance of food. Like I'm hearing a lot about how creative ways in which people can still share food this Thanksgiving, this Christmas without you know, maybe not being in the same dining room with each other because they can't or because it's not safe or because they don't feel comfortable. Um, Like I've heard of people cooking in bulk and then portioning out into to-go bags or to-go containers and then hand delivering it to people's doors. And I think that's a sweet thought. And I wonder why we don't do that on a regular basis more often. Like, Aisha, I'm waiting for your mac and cheese to come to me. Yeah, I'm ready to sit on an airplane with that, on, or the BART train with that tray on my lap.
1: But we also have to have it at one point together, because that's the other part too. Yeah. You're right, so there's the packaging, the sending of the food, and then there is like the food that like you share with those you love. and. I've realized even for myself, like living on my own, I do like to cook, but I I think I've got this from my mom and from my grandmother. I really enjoy cooking more for my loved ones. So going back to my first love when he would ask for those enchiladas, of course, or like if um, Asia hits me up and it's like, oh, I want some of your tacos or some lasagna, like, you know, or just the different things, you know, that certain people, or like I'm thinking about my cousin, she loves my shrimp fried rice. Cause my dad taught me how
0: to make
1: that. Mm. so yeah like i love like when your loved ones want you to cook for them
0: yeah same cooking is caring
1: yeah it's like it's
0: life it's sustenance it's also all the things we were talking about it's you sharing a part of yourself wow. um and usually things that we things. cook for the important people in our lives i mean sometimes we'll try out new recipes but more often than not when we're entertaining or we're bringing like if you came over I would cook something that probably meant something to me.
1: Of course. And like that probably
0: says something about me beyond just like, hey, I was Googling and I found this recipe, you know? And I think that that's kind of, that's something that we're we're missing right now in this pandemic is this like aspect of gathering around food. We just don't do it the same way. Mm -hmm. And yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. so. Over time, we're getting there one step at a
0: time. One step at a time. Um, so I'm going to close out our conversation, but before I do that, I want you to think of your favorite song that features either a food item or the word food in it.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever
0: comes to mind.
1: Okay, what just came to my mind was another story. So remember, okay, let's all close our eyes and think back to early 2000. If you were alive, if you weren't, if you weren't, I feel sorry for you, but it was a great time in life. So in early 2000, when there was Napster and there was LimeWire and you could oh download songs and make CDs. And also at this time for those who had a PC that you know were kind of advanced, you can even have a microphone prior yeah. podcast, right? So me and my cousins who would download music on Napster also had a microphone and we used to make up these fake radio shows that nobody ever listened to. They're on somebody's CD somewhere. They all that to say, we downloaded the song, Everybody Get Your Roll On. Oh and my me and my cousin, shout out Remy and Crystal. We remixed it to Everybody Get Your Grub On. And it was like.
0: <laughs> do you have this MP3 somewhere? Because I know. You I'm do. pretty
1: sure we do. Because like, I remember lyrics such as like, that chicken was every finger licking. God damn. Mother. Oh, that's. some. <laughs> Good adobo, like like we just like we were going in. We had a whole production. We had the beat playing in the background, so that song makes me think of food. Everybody,
0: oh, oh. we're doing a live rendition.
1: you gotta remember it, like,
0: Aisha, see if You remember it?
1: I- oh. Oh, six, 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 eight, five, five, six, five,
0: that is awesome that you still remember it
1: I know, and like everyone's like writing it down and like yeah everybody get your grub on like yeah so yeah shout out Remy and Crystal for that one we had a lot of fun recording
0: oh man all right well you're gonna find that song and we're gonna play that <laughs> recording next time I wish I wish I had one for you. I actually I don't I don't think I have any that matches that story by any measure at all. But um, I do. I mean, the song that comes to mind. It's not really a song about food, nor is it a song that I remixed to make about food like you did. Um, but like it, it really, it kind of ties our conversation back together, and it's the song "Mama" by Boys to Men. And they do mention soul food. for your soul and it's from soul food, even though the song itself has nothing to do about food, but the song just, it I mean, it's a great song to start. It was super played out for like weddings, like first dance, not first dance. Um,
1: mom and, like, yeah.
0: Mom and son dance, but just listening to it, like takes me back to a certain time in my life. It takes me back to memories and it really just like takes me back for um, to the feeling of family and the importance of family. And even though food isn't a critical part of the song, I think food and family go hand in hand for me. And I know for most Vietnamese Americans, like you can't separate the two. There's always food at any family gathering. And anytime you, I, I, you know, literally to this day, my grandma's 92 and is in a nursing home and every time i see her she doesn't really have much of her memory or her wits anymore but when she does recognize me she always asks have you eaten rice yet and it's a way of like checking in of saying how are you it isn't you don't greet with how are you you ask have you eaten yet I and that. i think that's that's a good place to to close our conversation
1: yep. food
0: family and stories
1: Know we gotta play a little bit of that.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> I don't know. Let's look it up we'll wait. It.
0: Let me let me play it on mine because
1: okay. I,
0: I can share my. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Oh song. my gosh! It's a it's a great song. It is. Do you remember the? Was there a music video to this?
1: It was. It so was. We played this at my grandmother's homegoing. Uh,
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh.
1: oh so I feel it, feel it.
0: It's a great song. <laughs> I'm getting the feels, just like.
1: you <clears throat>
0: I'm gonna go to the chorus <laughs> Here, Here we go. go. All right. Well, with that, we're gonna close oh. out.
1: Yeah. I would say in the future, we need to talk about what happened to the soundtrack.
0: Oh, my what gosh. Up. That was a good soundtrack.
1: Yeah. And Waiting to Exhale. Brandy? Um, yeah. Love Jones. What happened oh to the soundtrack? Can we what happened
0: to the, the you're right. The, the movie soundtrack that was like just chock full of hit after hit. Space we Jam. Like,
1: get, we need to like <laughs> bring up like our like favorite movie soundtracks from the 90s and like break down why they're so amazing and school people who do not know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you go out there like, oh, I never heard of soul food. Well, now you know. Like,
0: <laughs> I, the soundtrack, arguably, I think is better than the movie itself. Although the movie I, was pretty good.
1: I like equally both. It was a guilty
0: pleasure for sure. Okay. But the soundtrack soul, was.
1: Soul food soundtrack or way to excel that we can close out? I want. What would you pick?
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Or just marinate on it for next episode. I
0: need to look up the track listing, honestly.
1: I, so you got Shoop sitting in my room. I know. Not going to cry. That's on Waiting to Exhale. So that was so good. Song for my mama. We got Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Um, we got uh, the um, what's the other song? The the one with the group that nobody knew about milestone girl, (laughs) I care about you. You know, I gotta go with
0: waiting to exhale on this one because like sitting up in my room is and not gonna cry. Exhale, count on me. I I can't. There's just too much there. There's too would, much there.
1: So I would say the waiting to exhale soundtrack is way better than the waiting to exhale movie because that movie.
0: I don't even depressing. remember that movie.
1: That movie is trash and it's depressing. <laughs> yeah. So that's a whole episode too. Anyway, but that, but the, the, but the, but the soundtrack. Yeah. But the movie. No, it's very depressing for Black women. At least for myself. I I don't want to own that story. <laughs>
0: I'm going to go and watch Ratatouille now. <laughs> and maybe next time we can do a movie analysis on waiting to exhale versus Soul Food, the movie.
1: Yes, let's keep it going. Oh my awesome. gosh. I appreciate you, Ty.
0: I appreciate you too. And I appreciate everyone listening out there.
1: All right. <laughs>
0: All right.